Hi, I'm Damon Frank, and you're listening to The Recovered Life Show. Every week, we bring you a Recovered Life discussion all about how to get unstuck in areas of your sobriety that are keeping you from living your best recovered life. Remember, addiction is a life-threatening condition, and the information in this discussion is provided as a resource only and is not to be used or relied upon for any diagnostic or treatment purposes. This is not a substitute when professional diagnosis or treatment is needed. Now, let's jump into the discussion. Welcome, everybody, to Unstuck, a Recovered Life discussion. My name is Damon Frank. I am a sobriety coach, and I am here today uh, with my co-mod, Anne, Access to Experts. And like every week, we come to you with the Unstuck Room. We take a problem that somebody might have in their recovery, kind of boil it down. We peel the onion and we get into the nucleus of what's going on within an hour and we start to come up with solutions. Today, uh, I have a, an interesting topic and I think it's an important topic because I know that I have suffered from it in the past and I know a lot of people that are in recovery have suffered from this. And it's problems thinking clearly. Uh, listen, we know that recovery and addiction, right? Addiction is a thinking issue. It's really about a thinking issue. So our ability to be able to think clearly is really what this is all about. I'm going to kind of harness a text here uh, that people might be uh, familiar with if you're in a 12-step program. And that's the second step of Alcoholics Anonymous, when it says a restoration to sanity, right? We're talking about a restoration to sanity. Well, sanity for a lot of us is uh, the transition from unclear thinking to clear thinking. Now, what is, what, when I say, what is, what is clear thinking? Clear thinking is the ability to be able to think something through, to be able to see all sides of it to be able to stay in a neutrality, to be able to look at pros and cons without getting emotionally charged and, and go everywhere. It's the ability to be able to see your thoughts all the way through. That might be a goal that you have. You can see all the way through and think clearly about how you would get there. What are your obstacles? What do you need to do? Thinking clearly also might be conflict. You're in some sort of conflict. You've been stressed, you've been triggered, you've been pushed. Are you able to think clearly all the way through? It might be in, in regards to relapse. A lot of people are constant relapsers. They're unable to kind of think clearly about what that first drink, what that first drug, what that first codependent activity might lead to. So we're gonna dive into this today. Um, I'm so pleased to have Anne as my co-mod, always has great things to say. How you doing, Ann? How's, how's your week going? And uh, I'd love to hear your initial thoughts before we dive into the nitty-gritty here of clear thinking. Have you ever struggled with uh, thinking clearly in sobriety? Well, happy to be here, Damon. Have I ever struggled with thinking clearly sobriety and otherwise? Of course. You know, um, Life comes up and, uh, you know, different situations and we're not sure how we feel about things. We're not sure how we feel about people. So uh, kind of sorting through our thoughts is just is just what we do as humans. Every time we want to do something, we have to think it through. Can I do this? Does it make sense? Do I want to do it? How do I do it? So for me, that process of making a decision is, uh, you know, is where we're not clear. We're just, you know, we're just in a mucky muck, if you will, but we have to go through that to be able to make a decision. So in sobriety, heck yes, absolutely. Especially when I first came in, there were a lot of decisions to be made. You know, I was bartending when I decided to stop drinking. Well, not a good place to be. So, okay, what do I want to do? Um, 
uh, make a decision. What kind of job do I want to have? You know, which relationships do I let go of? Which relationships do I build? What do I do with my health? There was a lot of questions about that. So yes, there's a lot of information that, uh, you know, clear thinking need to come in place. And I love that quote you brought up, you know, basically second step. I mean, I had, I had no delusions about my insane thinking and came to believe that power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity was exactly that. I didn't have to be convinced that I wasn't thinking sanely and, you know, doing the same things over and over again, getting, um, you know, getting the same results and thinking I'm going to get different results. Yeah, for all those reasons, definitely I know exactly what it feels like not to be thinking clearly. And I know how to go through the process of thinking clearly for myself and how to make a decision. It's been a, a practice, practicing. So I'm going to hand it back over to you, Damon. So get us started and we'll share and just keep yeah. going. Absolutely. And thank you, Anne, for being so honest and, and upfront about the struggles that you might have had in that, in thinking clearly. Um, we are going to get into, we promise everybody that's listening here, we are going to get into some solutions. Anne and I are going to dive into it. Uh, you know, I wanted to just set the stage real quick here about our hour together. Uh, you know, this is a recovered life discussion. It's the unstuck room. If you're just joining us, uh, we love people to come up and contribute to chime in on their thoughts about the topic that we have about getting unstuck. Look, we're all in this together. This is about being part of a community, right? To be about part of. So just a couple ground rules that we have. Just be loving and kind when you share, when you refer to yourself and others. And also just use your first name. Uh, this is, the, the replay is on and this is used for our podcast, Recovered Life Show. Um, so just be cognizant of that. Uh, we'd love for you to come up and talk on this topic. Uh, look, Anne and I have uh, decades of sobriety, you know, uh, and one of the things that that gives us is the ability to be able to look back and see patterns. It doesn't, you know, we all only have today. So if you have a day or you're struggling to get a day, uh, we have the same amount of time, right? We have the same amount of time in recovery, which is right now. That's all we really have. Uh, but what it does do is a bunch of right nows together, right, over a period of time, gives us the ability to look back. And I think also as a sober coach and working with others, I see a lot of patterns in problems with thinking clearly. Look, and I'm just going to I'm going to go right up front. Um, I think one of the things I did not want to do right at the beginning of my recovery was to tell people that I didn't think clearly. I have I have sometimes little little episodes that I'll go through now, even, you know, three decades into this where I might not be thinking clearly. Right. And I have to kind of stop myself. Not as clear as I'd like to be much better than when I first came in. Right. Um, and most of the time I can tell you, I am thinking clearly. Right. And that's the only reason for that is, is my recovery. So let's dive into this. I, I want to talk about the actual problem of thinking clearly and maybe some of the symptoms that you might have, some of the things you might see in your life and what that kind of brings up and what that kind of keeps us from being able to do. Right now, I see a lot of people uh, and myself included that have a focus issue, right? This is one of the symptoms that you might see if you can't think clearly. You have a focus issue. And what happens is you can't stay on one thing long enough to try to solve the problem, work through a scenario, achieve a goal. That the focus is constantly diverting. And yes, I think there are people that have ADHD and suffer from ADHD. Um, and that obviously is, is, a, is a real thing. And I know a lot of people in recovery have that. I'm talking just an overall lack of focus, meaning there are so many things going on in your mind at one time that it's very hard to kind of settle in and to focus on what's in front of you in the here and now. Some of the symptoms that you see in lack of focus is the inability to focus on one thing for a period of time. 
It's your mind racing constantly, constantly picking up a new thread, right, of thought and running with that thread of thought, not being able to stop and put a little pause and kind of just think one thing through and think about the pros and cons of moving in. If your mind is moving like an EDM DJ, right, uh, maybe you could have a problem with being able to think clearly. The second thing is, and I think that this is really important, is the lack of process, right? One of the, one of the amazing things that I've gotten in my recovery is that I've been able to, to enact processes to take me through something, whether it's achieving a goal or dealing with a conflict or working a step. There's a process that I can start and I can finish. Many times I find that the problem about thinking clearly in sobriety is a lack of a process. Look, let's admit it. When we were out there, it was just we were we we did whatever we needed to do within that moment to get us to where we needed to be. But in recovery, we find that that type of insanity, which is outlined in step two of Alcoholics Anonymous, no longer works for us. So do you have a process to get from A to Z? If you're lacking process, you just don't know how to do it, or think clearly or think through a problem, that can be a huge major issue, right? So one is focus, two is process. And the third thing that I'm going to say is persistence, persistence. You might be a clear thinker one day, but the next day you're not. Are you able to keep going? Are you able to keep moving through? to make that vision that you have in your mind happen, right? Or move towards a goal or complete things, right? Many people don't have the focus, the process, and they don't have the persistence. It gets old, so then we're sidetracked and we move on to something else. The fourth thing is a routine, and that's a little different than process. A routine is, are you, have you built a life where you can think clearly. Look, so many of us have lived in chaos for so long that it's very, very difficult to get on a routine. One of the things I really needed in early recovery was a routine. But what I really disliked deep down inside was routine. I'd get bored from it, but I needed it. So routine, if you lack routine, meaning you can't, you know, Every you're recreating the wheel every day. If you're recreating the wheel every day, that might be a problem with being able to think clearly in sobriety. And then, um, you know, I, I also want to bring up here um, the fifth is perspective a lack of perspective and awareness about yourself. You know, so many of us, um, or unable to applaud as the acorn, right? But we want to become the oak tree. So it's very, very difficult if we don't have a good perspective about who we are and what we're all about. So many people get into recovery and they find they feel broken. So they stay broken. And that perspective about how they view themselves hurts them. It hurts them because they're not allowed to move forward and achieve anything because it's outside of the paradigm that they've built to who they are. Broken people make broken decisions. Broken people have broken thinking. So if you, if the perspective and the box that you've put yourself in is broken, then you're always going to have a hard time thinking clearly because you're going to keep coming back to the paradigm that you set up, the story that you've set up, that you're just a fuck up, that you're just can't make it happen, that you're somebody that's always sick, always unemployed, always broke. If you've created that paradigm for yourself, you're going to have a hard time thinking clearly because the resentment against yourself is going to keep coming back in the crucial point that it takes 
to double down on this clear thinking. So I've outlined a couple of things that could be symptoms of not being able to think clearly. Focus, process, persistence, lack of persistence, routine, lack of routine, and then a lack of perspective. So I'd love to hear from people. We're going to get into the solution. How do you think clearly? How do you think clearly, right? How do you move forward and really start taking a hold of your thinking and not be not be uh, capsized by it? You know, one of the things about recovery is we feel a lot, but sometimes, and that's a good thing, but we can capsize ourselves by getting so enthralled and enmeshed into the emotional part of thinking that we can't actually see the forest from the trees and we end up just chasing our tail and being in one big circle. And I'm gonna turn it over to you for any thoughts that you might have on the symptoms of thinking clearly. If, you know, I, 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 we could definitely, if no one wants to come up and share right now, we could definitely talk about things in our past that we didn't think clearly about, but now we've been able to rectify. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, Anne. Yeah, well, you shared so, so much. Um, I, I, will, I will tell you, that was, uh, that was a lot and you got my wheels turning. But I do want to say, I do want to say something that's important to me, my perspective. I do not, I do not uh, like to use the word broken. Um, I, we, we're always evolving we're always growing we're always changing so to me um it's it's not it's not repairing that needs to be done it's building and and evolution so anyways that's what i want to say so um and I totally agree with you. Okay, focus. Being able to focus on one thing is really, really important. If we have too much going on, it's hard to make a decision. And so uh, what I do, the tools that I use, whether in business or whether it's, you know, in recovery, which, you know, uh, my thoughts always affect every aspect of my life. So if I am not able to focus, that means I have too much going on. There's too much information, too much, too much, whatever it is. I separate them, you know? Okay, what exactly is the challenge or the opportunity in business, in my personal life, you know, in health and separate them and then deal with them individually because when they're all jumbled up together and sometimes one triggers the other, you know? So if, uh, if I'm super stressed and working on business, I may get a headache and a headache is gonna slow down what I'm doing. So separating them and dealing with them one at a time makes it easier, makes it manageable. Now, process is really, really important. A simple process that I use is the serenity prayer. Whatever, whatever the situation may be, it's like I stop, okay? Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That simple prayer right there, that portion of it, makes it easier. Is there anything I can do about this? Yes. Great. Then what is it? And how do I want to go about doing it? And if there's nothing I can do, I'm like, okay, God, I put it in his hands. You take this one because there's nothing I can do. And that takes off most of the stuff, I will tell you, just that process alone. And then, then I have to go in, into the uh, persistence, right? Once I make a decision, this is what I'm going to do. Then I, I just go ahead and just, you know, take the steps, you know, what am I supposed to do? Is this a daily thing that I should do? Maybe waking up and, you know, in gratitude every day or count my blessings, or maybe take a look at if it's a, it has to do with business. It has to do with health or relationships. Take a look at what changes I want to make and be very mindful of making those changes, doing those things on a daily basis until they become good habits, right? And then what, what was it? Oh, routine. Yeah, it's actually uh, makes it easier, like, you know, just starting the day off doing certain things, whether it's prayer, meditation, going, I love to go for what I call dance walk, putting on my, uh, uh, you know, a playlist 
uh, sometimes it's energizing. It could be 80s music. Sometimes it's uh, it, it's spiritual, something, whatever, whatever mood I'm in. That's how I control my time. I go in for my walk and, and do walking meditations as well. So a routine is really good. And uh, then you said perspective. Oh my gosh, that's that's the big, <laughs> that's the big kahuna right there. Perspective. Is my perspective realistic? Is this thing really as big as I think it is? If I look at it from a different perspective, maybe it doesn't look as big. It's just like if you're face up against a wall, the wall is gigantic. You move far away. It's like, oh, wait a minute. There are ways to get around that wall. So I'm always looking at the perspective. And if I don't see a way myself to start with, I ask other people. You know, people, other people have perspectives that I don't. So if I don't clearly see what it is, then somebody else does, because there's always a solution for everything in our lives. And that's kind of how I manage. That's kind of how I manage uh, what I do. I hope that was in line with what you were looking for. But I guess clarity is is the key to every every aspect of my life. Yes, yes. You know, um, and I'm excited to have Laura to the stage. We're going to go to you in one second, Laura, because I always love to hear your perspective on stuff. You know, and um, I like that you talked about you don't like to use the word broken. Either, either do I. But, you know, I think that there is a consciousness with people that get into recovery. Maybe they had relationships that kind of went bad when they were drinking, right? But now they have changed. But there's still this consciousness of, well, you know what? It's never going to work for me in the relationship area because I'm broken, right? And and this perspective of who we are is really attracting and getting us to a place where we can think clearly about what we're doing, right? And make good and healthy decisions. Um, you know, one of the things that you brought up that I wanted to say, we're going to get into this after we hear from Laura, is um, picking the right time to make the right decisions. You know, one of the things that uh, one of the things that I realized is that uh, people that suffer from addiction, addiction that are in recovery, many times are left with obsessive thinking. It might not even be destructive thinking, but it's not like I'm going to go hurt myself or do something bad or eat the food or you know, get into this relationship. That's not good. It might not be, it might not even be that it might just be as simple as a, addictive thinking, thinking about ourselves, thinking about where we fit in, thinking about what we would do, what we should say, where we're going to go, what the impact this is going to have on us. Right. I, I'd almost, almost classify that as worry, right? We have this obsessive thinking and many times we're part of that it's all about us, right? So one of the things that I had to do is I had to be willing to look at the fact that when I do think, one of the reasons why I can't think clearly is I'm I'm an obsessive thinker. And we're going to get into this because I know, Anne, you've got a lot of things that you do with your calendar. So do I. That has helped me. You know, I will tell everybody up front here before we go to Laura that I am somebody who has stopped thinking. Um, I know that sounds crazy that like I book a time that I am going to think if I have to think about something and make a big decision, I book time to do that. I don't just randomly think about stuff anymore because I found that that was keeping me from being able to think clearly about what I want to do and make the best decisions for me. Uh, everybody, you are in the unstuck room, recovered life discussions. Uh, so glad to have Laura here. How you doing, Laura? Hey, Jamin. Um, hi, I'm Laura. I'm an alcoholic. And this is such a fascinating topic to me. Um, and here's why. I, I have definitely known. So I've been sober after my last relapse. I've been sober now <clears throat> for 18 months. And in that time, I have definitely, definitely noticed um, a, a shift in my ability to focus, in my ability to think clearly. Um, I will say this, I, I've never felt better about my sobriety than I, than I do right now. I've never felt clearer in my 
recovery path um, and in the things that I'm doing for my own self-help um, on a daily basis to stay sober and to stay mentally healthy. But yet I find that I, I feel so scattered in my thoughts. Um, you know, I work primarily from home and I can find myself like I'm working one minute at my computer and my, my desk, you know, looks over, looks out over a window and like I can catch myself five minutes later, I'm just staring out the window and I'm not working anymore. And I don't even know how I got there. I don't know how I got from focusing on what I was doing to not, or really like, like starting a task and not being able to complete it. Not because I don't really know the path forward, but I find myself getting up and walking into the other room or it's, it's this lack of focus. And I do believe that it is this, of what you were just talking about is that I have so much swirling around in my head that I can't keep one thing straight. I just can't do that, that act of focus on one thing at a time and, and put other things aside. Um, for example, I'm always thinking about my children. I'm always thinking about my relationship with them and repairing my relationship with them. And um, that's, oh, it's like, that's a 24 seven tape that plays in the back of my head all the time. And at the strangest times, my mind will wander. And suddenly I'm thinking about, you know, my daughter who moved to Colorado, who I haven't, you know, spoken to in 18 months, but she won't speak to me um, since my relapse. And I'm like, what, what am I doing in the middle of the workday thinking about this? There's nothing I could solve right now. It's, it's irrational to allow sort of my thinking to, to drift there, but yet I do. And so I was paying attention, Damon, to the, the things that you suggested, uh, you know, as to why I can't think clearly. I think that uh, in mine, I could definitely focus, uh, point to a lack of focus and um, maybe a lack of process. But I think I do have a routine where I, I have put myself in the best position that I know how in terms of my my physical surroundings and my mental health and in my recovery program to be able to think clearly. Um, I definitely know that I wake up every morning, my mind is clear. I know what it's like for years and years and years and years to wake up and not have a clear thought because I, because of the amount of alcohol I consumed. So that is that those feelings are gone and I never want those back again. I also think that I have a pretty good perspective on, you know, who I am, what my, what I'm capable of, what my role is every day, where, where I'm not always where I'm going, but you know, where I am at the moment. Um, but I, I really struggle with this focus and process and assuming there's nothing physical wrong with me, which I don't believe that there is, you know, I mean, I am definitely getting older, you know, that's, that's for sure. But, um, you know, barring some physical malady, I, I don't know what it is about my inability to rein in my thoughts. Um, whereas before I feel like I was just better able to do it. Um, so yeah, I just kind of wanted to share that. And, you know, I'm here for, uh, you know, suggestions and what have, um, not that I have great things that have worked for me, but I, I did just want to set the stage by saying I do think that I put in place a lot of good things in my life um, to make myself more successful in this regard, yet I find myself still falling short. So thanks for letting me share. Thank you, uh, Laura, for being so honest uh, and open about it. I, I think that's really where the healing begins. And um, I definitely have a couple. You said you're open for some suggestions. If you are, I have I have a couple that might work, and I know Anne will also chime in here and has some stuff as well. Um, one of the things that you spoke about was that you keep going back uh, to 
the issue that you have with your children, right? Um, and if you're listening to this on the podcast or if you're here listening here on Clubhouse, um, you could replace, you know, uh, in Laura's example, coming back to the children to some other thing that might be in your life that was very traumatic, right? That was the fifth thing is perspective of who of 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 who who you think you are. One of the things is, and and I'm just going to throw this out there, and if it if it applies, Laura, great. If it doesn't, great too. It's okay. Take it. If it works, if it doesn't, that's fine. But one of the things that I found is that sometimes it's hard to think clearly if we have an underlining belief about who we think we are. Because what happens is we start to make momentum. And I'm going to use something in my in my own life. I didn't have a very good relationship with my father. And I had a huge resentment against him for, for many, many years. And I also was very dyslexic as a kid. I never was able to really achieve anything scholastically. And as I went through life, I kind of fixed that dyslexic issue and got skills that I could work with, right? But I still had a deep underlining pain of not enoughness in this area. Later, I would reveal that that actually had to do with shame, which is the lowest vibrational energy. So I would start to achieve things in my life, but I would always get into a position where I would have these feelings come up and I would get stuck on certain things that had to do with this issue. Well, as I went through more recovery, got some coaching, talk with people who really started to know me and had a relationship and really kind of knew what was going on with me is I realized that my perspective about myself was, was very warped. How could I be somebody who achieves something when deep down inside, I feel shame about who I am? You know, guilt is about what you've done. Shame is about who you are. So I would stop myself from achieving. It wasn't an outward thing like ADHD. And, you know, I, I, I have been known to be a little ADHD at times and I have done things like that, but it wasn't, but something about me was blocking what I could become. And what would happen is then I would start obsessively thinking about this, even in good ways about, well, how can I get over it? How can I, right? I would obsessively think it became, what happened is it became my story. And I didn't realize it, but through the back door, it became my story. It became my perspective of everything filtered through, well, who do you think you are if you really can't do this or this didn't really happen in your life? And I didn't realize that it had become a belief about who I was. So in my case, I had to go in and I had to let go of, and Anne brought up this, a serenity prayer. I had to let go of, and I realized that a lot of the things that were blocking me from where I wanted to go, the things that were keeping me stuck, was a warped perspective I had about myself. And that is what causes major ups and downs with people who are in recovery. It's this huge, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show that I'm going to move it, boom, then all of a sudden down, right? And it's because we can't sustain it, because deep down inside, there was something about me that wasn't healed. And until I could actually dredge that up, write it down, and actually say, you know what? I've done everything I could do to heal and repair this, and now it's time for me to let go. And I no longer have to view myself through those glasses anymore. I can let go of this. I'm giving my per myself permission to move on. And if the people around me don't want to move on, that's got to be okay. That's okay. I understand. It's all going to be okay. And I remember the time that that happened with broken relationships that I had in my family when I realized when I gave people permission to do what they wanted to do and believe what they wanted to believe. And what happened is I became free to think clearly regarding relationships and people in my life because I wasn't. They didn't own me anymore. They were going to do what they were going to do. And you know what? I was going to do what I was going to do. And what I was going to do is not put myself in that situation anymore. I was going to seek out different experiences. 
Laura, I hope that helps a little bit. I'll open it up, Laura, if you want to come back on stage, have comments, or Anne, if you have anything to say about this. I have to just say, Damon, wow, did that hit a nerve. Um, that is very descriptive of what, it's funny, I just had this conversation with my sponsor earlier today. Um, it is, I think, exactly um, what I'm doing. Um, and that, you know, that constant, like, ruminating kind of uh, going over and over again of the things that, you know, I'm not, um, how they must be perceiving me as this bad, you know, mother person. And, and that's, what, that's what derails me. You, you know, I think you're 100% right. And, and it is about, I guess, at some point, like, you, I, I, if I'm understanding you right, I have to just say, there's, they can feel that way, but I'm not going to feel that way anymore about myself. I'm not sure how I get exactly to that point, but I guess recognizing it is the first step. And I, and I think also Laura too, I think Laura too, is that one, I just want to acknowledge something. You're doing a great job. You, you're doing what many people, what 90% of the people won't do. You're staying sober. You're staying sober for 18 months. You're working, you're living a life, you're doing it. So I think you need to applaud for yourself, Laura. You're, you're, you're doing great, Laura. And you know what, and here's the thing, you might not have people in your life that are telling you that, but I wanna let you know you are doing great. And the people in your life that might not accept the fact that you've gotten sober and, and maybe you did things, right? Look, we've all done things. And you're talking a little bit about the amends process. That's an important thing. But also what's an important thing too is to understand what you did and not do it again. And you know what? Guess what? You're doing that. You're winning at that. You're showing up every day and you're not drunk. And you're doing the deal and you're doing the best that you can. So like, I just want to applaud that real quick because I think so many people run right into the hard part of like, well, you got to think this way. You got to do that. You know what? I think the first step is just to say, hey, you know what? You're doing great. It might not be perfect. It might not be in your mind's eye what it should be, but you're doing fabulous. And I think if you keep doing the deal, you keep showing up sober, people will either get that or they won't. And if they won't, that's okay. I think it's gonna be the other way around. I found a way, I found that through a couple decades, several decades of doing this, what ends up happening is the people who rejected the fact that I got sober, that couldn't handle the amends, end up getting into a life situation that's very similar. And maybe I can be there for them. I hope that helps a little bit, but I do want to applaud you, Laura. Thank you, Damon, so much. Wow, this has been very impactful and very helpful. I truly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And what's, uh, I, I know you've had this experience, <laughs> right? I, I have, I have. And um, so, um, Kudos to you, Damon, for for acknowledging the difficulty of actually showing up uh, and being sober, dealing with life on life terms when you know the rest of the world expects you to be a grown up. They don't realize what it takes to go through a transformation of physical and emotional uh, turmoil. The transformation we have to go through. But Laura, I do want to share with you because I I had uh, an experience with my daughter. Now, first, I want to say that my daughter has never seen me drunk, so she has never had to deal with the consequences of me being drunk or waking up with a hangover. Now, she's 24 years old. However, life makes us show up. So I'm going to share with you the process that I went through because I had a period where she wasn't talking to me for six months. And here I am. I actually... Uh, started working from home. So I would show up for her, literally quit my corporate job and became a stay at home mom when she was born. So I'm thinking I'm doing everything, but life brings stuff. And so, um, 
when she was a teenager, both my parents were very ill. So I was going back and forth to the hospital, the chemos, this and that, then uh, business. I was traveling for business and being always mindful that she is number one. But somewhere I missed something. Somewhere she felt like I wasn't paying attention and uh, to some things. And then years later, when you know she was already 18, I decided, okay, well, well I'm going to be uh, separating from my husband because we were still friends, but the marriage wasn't working. Uh, so she stopped talking to me because she was mad that I left her dad. And all the things, the little things that she picked up along the way that, you know, she needed this and I was traveling, she needed whatever. These little things, they pile up, which I didn't know they were piling up, right? We remember things. And uh, so when she stopped talking to me, I was like, oh my God, you know, my whole focus has been her. My heart was broken. And so I can empathize, you know, with the pain in your heart. Relationships, our relationships, the, the most important relationships, they're the ones who will take us out. Because usually when we pick up, when we run away for, to comfort, it's usually because somebody did something we didn't want them to do, or they didn't do, do something we wanted them to do. Whatever it is, we usually pick up because of a relationship. So my heart was broken. Well, you know, picking up was never an option, didn't even cross my mind, but the pain was there. And so I'm like, okay, what am I going to do with this? What I did is basically take a look at what was my part. And uh, I didn't realize she thought I missed that. And I said, well, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I apologize for all the different things. I looked at them one at a time. And the thing about it, first and foremost, I had to come to terms with myself, you know, did I do everything to the best of my ability? The answer was yes. The best of my ability at that time. I had to travel for business because there were things happening. So I had to go to make the money to do, you know, to keep a roof over her head or whatever it was. Everything I did, there was a reason for it. And so I did it to the best of my ability. And with the drinking as well, if you're talking about that, it's very hard to think clearly when you wake up with a massive hangover, how you show up and go and do all those things when your body is aching, when your brain is aching. So you were showing up to the best of your ability. How do I know that? Because I can hear the pain in your voice every time you speak of your children. That's a mother who's been showing up. That's a mother who cares. That's a mother who loves. So Whatever your ability was at the time, I know that you were showing up. Okay, so that's one. But the next thing that happened, I had to apologize to her. At first, she wasn't receiving it. I remember one time I'm sitting at the airport sending her a message. I'm in tears, <laughs> waiting for a collecting flight. I'm so sorry, honey. I hope you're okay. Whatever it is, I hope whatever. So what I just continued sending messages of love and, you know, just thinking of you, whatever, regardless whether she responded or not. And those also pile up. Because if they don't trust us to show up, then we have to earn that trust for them to know that we're going to show up. If they didn't feel like they were loved, we have to earn the trust that they know they're loved. But what happened also, phase three of this, at some point I realized that she was just, you know, being... She found a button that she could press. Mommy's going to say, I'm sorry. Mom's going to try and make up for it. At some point I just I said, wait, hold it. Um, did you always know that you are very loved? She said, yes. I said, you know, I did my job. I did my job. I showed up to the best of my ability, but the most important thing, I always made sure you knew how loved you are. Every day you knew how loved you are. And so saying that to her, when I claimed that you're not going to beat me up anymore, you know, I'm going to show up for myself. I did do the best that I could. And saying that to her, she could see the shift in me because I was not the apologetic mom anymore because I had come to terms with myself. Our relationship shifted. You know, she just got, okay, I better put away this thing, whatever it was. Because sometimes when we know somebody is giving us love, every time we hit them over the head, they're going to give us a hug. We're going to keep hitting them over the head to get that hug. I didn't, I wanted her to get love in a healthy way. So I had to 
respond to her in a healthier way to her uh, for myself. And I will tell you, our relationship is great. As a matter of fact, I just booked a cruise for us, you know, five day cruise for us, just the two of us. And she can't wait to go. And I can't wait to go. So there is hope, Laura. But, you know, first and foremost, like Damon was saying, you're doing great. You're showing up for yourself. You love yourself because we teach people how to treat us. If we're constantly, you know, apologizing, you know, crawling for forgiveness, well, the first forgiveness that we need is for ourselves. Once we do that and know that we're showing up, our head goes up a little bit higher. We show up and we act differently. We respect ourselves and they respect us. So I hope that helps because I think you're amazing. I And, you know, just just hang in there. You're doing great. And I'm thank, thank you so much, Anne. Uh, God, so much of your story uh, is right on the nose and I can relate to. And uh, I am listening to every word both of you say. And um, it's been extremely helpful today. I can't even thank you both enough. Thanks. Thank you so much, Laura, and thank you, Anne. Um, I did want to dive in, Anne, about some solutions here uh, to thinking with clarity, right? I know we were, and had discussed at the beginning, we were going to look at some of the symptoms, but we're also going to dive in to some of the solutions. And um, I wanted to tackle real quick a couple of solutions, and Anne, I would love to hear your thoughts on these and get into a little uh, power tip session here to help people if they're struggling with thinking clearly. And guys, I'm going to tell you this. These tips have been hard fought for me. Um, I'm somebody who literally had to kind of duct tape myself to a chair sometimes to, to, to make clear thinking happen uh, because I either wanted to avoid the pain right of 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 what that might mean if i'm thinking or obsessive thinking or just not wanting to deal with it or just flat out confusion right and uncomfortableness and i think that's one of the signs i could have put actually and is uncomfortableness right uh, uncomfortableness when we have to think clearly um one of the things that was a game changer for me is i started to write down what i want and what I wanted to do, okay? And I'm gonna just share a little thing that I've done. It's, uh, and I, mine was very 1.0, and I did this, and I still do this now if I feel that I'm having confusion and lack of clarity in my life. What I actually do is I will take three by five cards out, and I'll write down what my main goal is. Or, and then on the back of it, I'll write tasks, right? That might be, hey, I'm going to pay my bills on time, or I'm going to work on a, a portion of my business, or I'm going to do something with my daughter, right? Like what's important to me, knowing what I want. Now, people say, why do I have to write it down? You know, I've got it here. I don't need to do that. The reason why is there's something with writing. And look, I'm dyslexic. I hate to write. I like to type. I'm a good typer. I do, really do not like to write. It's very hard for me, but I write it down because having it on, having it down on paper, on this little three by five card really, really helps me get clear. Now, what I did in the clarity area, which was a game changer for me, is I got a rubber band and I carried those three by five cards in my front pocket. I carried them on me, didn't write them on a spreadsheet, not a Google Doc, not an app. They were physically on me. And when I felt that sense that I couldn't think clearly, and that's usually for me comes from confusion or overanalyzing, I would stop. I would reach into my front pocket. I would undo the rubber band and I would sit there and I would literally walk through and read what I wrote because it would pull me back in to what I really wanted and what I said I was committed to. Just that simple step major game changer. I'm going to tell you, um, in August, it's going to be 29 years of sobriety. I started this early in my sobriety. And even today, when I'm confused, I do the exact same thing. Do the exact same thing. Because what it does is it calms me down and it narrows me in to what I said I was going to do, what I know when I was thinking clearly what was important. It wasn't doing the dishes at this time. It wasn't doing, it was focusing on this specific thing. 
and it, and it brings me a comfortableness of clarity. Yep, that's me. I wrote it down. That's what I said I was going to do. I don't need to think about it again. I've already thought about it, right? And it gave me an ability to just jump right in to doing what the most important thing of recovery is, is actually taking actions, right? And would you share with uh, people tips that you've used when you've had problems thinking clearly in sobriety? What do you do to kind of get yourself back on track? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, the very first thing I do is, as a matter of fact, uh, I even have a picture of it. It's a coin. It says, relax. God is in charge. That's the very first thing I do. And uh, um, like you, I do take a look at it and the things that I can do. And um, um, I have, you know, I'll, I'll go to, I have a bunch of little notebooks notebooks you know the the really cheap ones or whatever i'll just buy them by the dozen and they i keep them handy and then just like whenever thought comes up i'll just write it in there just brain dump whatever comes up get it out of my head and that stops me from thinking but you know what happens it's amazing in that in that uh state uh, a lot of the things that just comes out automatically are some really good solutions so the first thing i do i just stop and just kind of just right out sometimes you're just scribbling other times you're just writing a thought and you know drawing things out whatever it is so that usually gives me um gives me a solution to whatever i'm thinking about i hope that's in line with what you're saying but that's uh that's one way i do it whether it's uh, a personal problem or a business or whatever you know relationships are, are my um my major thing right now, you know, <laughs> thinking, thinking different ways. Cause, Oh, here's, here's the thing that I think might make a difference. Um, the things that we normally do, we're on autopilot, right? The, we respond to certain things a certain way because of past experiences. You know, our brain is like that, like that computer just goes in there, pulls out a solution. And so stopping, and intentionally thinking, coming up with different solutions, different ways of doing things, new ways of doing things, actually interrupts that autopilot. And it gets me engaged again. And I'm doing that. I'm doing that with relationships right now because I'm like, okay, I'm getting, I'm you know, ready to date again. What do I want? And I find initially um, I'm having to stop and say, no, that's not that's not the guy I want. That's, I, I want this. I want that. And I'm putting some new things in there that I do want. So the pattern interrupt, if you will, right? Because we just automatically do what we've been doing because it worked or maybe it didn't work. We're just on autopilot. So anyways, I'm going to hand it back over to you. So that whole thinking process, sorting process, and creating new opportunities is what's working for me. So back over to you, Damon. Absolutely. I love that. And I think that's so helpful. Um, you know, I'd like to take a minute here just to reset the room. You are in Unstuck, a recovered life discussion. If you are not uh, following this room, please do that. Go ahead and hit that green monopoly house up there and follow this and also uh, follow and follow myself uh, on Clubhouse here. If you guys are listening on the podcast, we'd like to welcome you and you can find out everything about recovered life and also become a free member and uh, get access to our exclusive volley community and exclusive content 100% for free. All you have to do is go to recoveredlife.us. You know, Anne, um, I love what you were saying about that. And you know, it made me think about an, a, another area in my life that has been a bit, a bit a, activities in my life that's been a game changer when it comes to thinking clearly. And this has been identifying that I can sometimes obsessively think about things, right? And what I've done now is I have stopped that by scheduling time to think, right? So I will schedule an hour, usually at night or in the morning, 45 minutes, and I'll write down what I need to think about, and then I'll think about it during that period of time. When that 45 minutes is over, half an hour is over, 20 minutes is over, hours over, however long I give myself, I write down my thoughts that I have about that, my conclusions, and then I stop thinking about it. I know I've realized that in life, most of success comes from the actions you take, not what you're thinking about. 
I could be thinking about great things, but not taking great actions. So I try to spend most of my day creating great actions. So I could think about doing the unstuck room or I could do the unstuck room. I've already thought about that. I wanted to do it. Now I'm doing it right. So I don't try to spend a lot of time thinking and reevaluating. And if I do, I book myself out and I give myself an hourly rate about what do I think my time is worth. So if I've spent an hour and I've spent a couple hundred dollars of my time, I then ask myself at the end, was that worth it? Could I have shortcutted that? Could I have only booked myself out for 15 minutes? Or is this just obsessive thinking? This has been a game changer for me because I realized that I would be, I'm a bad coaching client for myself. I'd be calling myself 24 seven. And I started to ask myself, Damon, if I was coaching myself, what would I say? I would say, hey, Damon, stop thinking about it. Start doing it. We've already know what we need to do. Just do it, right? So booking that time out to think and then not spending time to think about stuff like this, uh, huge game changer in my recovery. And do you have any final thoughts here before we in the room? I know we're up on the hour here. This has been such an impactful, great time sharing with everybody. And um, I've just so enjoyed it. No, actually, I just want to say I love what you just shared. And uh, would I would I listen to myself 24 seven? Would I welcome a phone call that interrupts what I'm doing to listen to the same thing over and over again in that day? The answer would be no. If it was a client calling me, I was like, we just talked about that. Why don't you go do that? And then come back and we'll see what else we can do to solve that. I wouldn't want to listen to the same thing over and over again because it doesn't do anything. So you know what? I love that. You guys think about it. If it was a friend of yours or if it was a sponsee, somebody you're working with, a client, if you just spend an hour talking with them about something, the problem that they had, and you say, hey, why don't you try and do this? And they called you an hour later saying the same thing. They're like, we just talked about this. You know, the, uh, two hours, we just talked about this. I, I love that visual, Damon. You know, if, you know would, I, would I fire myself? if I was the client and the answer was probably yes, because, you know, way too much time for, for the amount of money that I'm getting. Right. Oh, I love that. Back over you know to- what? Start, you know, one of the ways that got me out of that and was I started with a very low number. It was like $50 an hour, hundred dollars an hour. And what I would do is I would keep track of all the times that I was thinking. Right. And then what the results were. And then, write yourself a check or write that check to a therapy or to a, 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 a like not therapy but a nonprofit or some recovery group or something that could use that money you'll start to realize that you've spent five six seven eight hundred a thousand dollars of your time just obsessively thinking about things that you've already figured out you're it's a circle and i realized this is the exact same thing when i was drinking I would drink, I would obsess about it, then I would have the first drink, then I would go, right? Then I couldn't stop, then it would be right. Then I would have the realization that I have to get sober, right? It was the circle, this loop. And anybody who's listening to this that has an addiction issue or is in recovery understands being on that treadmill. And you know, at some point you learn, even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. The deal in recovery is to get off the treadmill to get off of it right so i had to stop this circular thinking because i'm not able to live my best recovered life doing that guys i've so enjoyed this time together and i'm always appreciative of you laura thank you for coming up and sharing from your heart i really appreciate it i'd like to thank everybody for spending the time here if you are listening to this and you need some more information, maybe you just need to talk to somebody about your recovery. Maybe it's not going the way that you want it to go. Maybe you're having a hard time staying sober. I, I, I would invite you to go to recoveredlife.us. Go ahead and uh, reach out to me there. Uh, all you have to do is uh, click on my profile, Damon. Reach out to me and let's set up a call and discuss where you're at. Maybe I can help a little bit. 
Keep the conversation going. Join Recovered Life, a community of like-minded people who are looking to live their best recovered lives. Membership is free, and you can apply at recoveredlife.us.